Hey everyone, Josh here. Quick question for you. Do you like coffee? Even more important question, do you like fresh coffee? Coffee that's roasted to order and doesn't taste like the bottom of your kitchen oven. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need to head over to McQuanoCoffee.com and get yourself some of the best coffee there is to get. Whether you like the light roast or the dark roast or you're feeling a little whimsical and you want to get that sample pack, McQuano Coffee Roasters has everything you need. And just when you thought this couldn't get any sweeter, make sure to use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. Do yourself a favor and stop drinking bad coffee because you know what? Life's too short for that. Head on over to McQuanoCoffee.com and use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. You will not regret it. Thanks, and now on to the show. What do you got for me? What's wrong with you people? I got nothing for you. What's, what's, what's wrong with you? What's going on, everyone, and welcome to The Reformatory, the podcast for the local church and by the local church, and we are your local sick men. Churchmen, <laughs> but also sick men. Sickies. The sickies. Sickies. We got a couple sickies. <laughs> my name's Josh, and I'm here, as always, with Captain Jack. Jack, both of us, my friend, are a little under the weather. Yeah, I'm kind of the. I'm kind of more yeah. on the men than you are, it sounds like. but I'm right in the middle. I'm right yeah. in the middle of it. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah. more towards the end of my... Gross. I feel like yesterday was the worst of it, and now today's mm-hmm. like, okay, coming over the hump here, getting yeah. over this. Yeah, let's do this. So, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I picked up some sort of head cold, man. I don't know where or who from. I mean, let's be honest. Probably, probably a child. Yes, because when you're in, <laughs> I mean, you don't even have to be in church ministry. If you go to a local church that has children, it's not a matter of if, but when. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, you know, you know, by 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 proxy of of of, lo- of locale, um, you getting sick. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Yeah. Absolutely. So I got the sore throat. I feel like a bowling ball's behind my eye, but uh, but we're here. Um, on top of all that, as well, Jack, we are finally in our new place. Yes, this my is wife what I, and yes. I, we have moved. Up yep. uh, closer to our church, uh, we went from about. Sorry, I need to move my camera here. We we went from about um, being about forty, no more than that, fifty fifty minutes away. Yeah, I was thinking you were an hour away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Without traffic, like fifty five to about two minutes. So very let's go. nice, sir. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy I think I'm that. at. I think I'm at fourteen right now. That's not bad. 14 minutes. Not bad. But I would take 14. Yeah. Most most of the people that I know, actually, though, are basically like, if you just head south, <laughs> a bunch right. of people from our local church are within the vicinity of where we live, like five yeah. to 10 yeah. minutes away. 100%. So, yeah. Yep. For sure. But, but uh, Jack, we are in the new year. Uh, it's a, uh-huh. a, a new year. Same us. New year. Same us. 
Yeah, we are uh, we're 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 continuing to venture on our our local church focus, wanting to encourage people and committing to their local churches. Uh, we've got kind of a fun up today. Uh, today is a mailbag. I think it might be our first ever mailbag episode. It is. It has to be. Is it? I yeah, feel like I think it is. it is. Yeah, I don't remember doing any mailbags um, up till this point. So pretty excited about that. That's pretty legit. Uh, but before Jack, we hop into that. Uh, New year, new month, new cigar review. Yes. So, my friend, why don't you, without further ado, give us the first reformatory cigar review of the week for 2024. What do you got for us? All right. So, we had been going on this little journey to where we were matching cigar brands with the month of the year. Mm-hmm. And Je- December, I think I, you were thinking that I was going to go. Um, what were you thinking that I was going to choose for December? I'm trying to remember. It was like. <laughs> it was the really bougie. Uh, high oh, oh, top. oh, Davidoff. Yeah. Davidoff. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we ain't doing that, people. No, we, ain't, no, no. we ain't trying to blow you out of the water with prices. So yeah. I was looking through the cigar brands of for Jay. And this one sticks out a lot. I think it's still within the repertoire of kind of boutique blends. Uh, it is called Hoya de Nicaragua or Jewel of Nicaragua in English, if you will. Um, I was just looking at, cause I have smoked a couple of these cigars, but I didn't know some of these cigars are actually like pretty certified bangers. Oh, for sure. So at least two of them on the first page, I'm like, oh man, I've smoked this one and this one. Whoa, I didn't know that. Um, This one that I'm reviewing today, I have smoked a couple times, uh, but it was a couple years ago. And what I remember from it, it it kind of reminded me, but it's called the Hoya Silver Robusto. Mm -hmm. Um, It has scored consistently about a 93 to a 92 uh, from Cigar Aficionado over the years. It was named uh, Top 25 cigars of the year for 2021 it was number 16 back then um this is interesting because hoya de nicaragua it was exclusively using nicaraguan tobacco for their cigars it was almost mm-hmm. puro nicaraguan it was just different plots of land different types of kind of that nicaraguan tobacco this this cigar called the silver called the hoya silver was it's like first outing as like a cigar as their cigar that actually incorporated different countries tobaccos. Mm-hmm. So their filler is Nicaraguan. No, no change there. Their binder was a type of Mexican, not San Andreas, but it was a type of Mexican binder. And then their wrapper was a Ecuadorian Havana wrapper. Okay. So um, I would say this is pretty typical of what we usually um, <laughs> go for as far as tasting notes. Um, pretty earthy cocoa, roasted coffee, dark chocolate, dark current kind of dark fruits kind of tasting. Um, the smoke on this, the smoke output is really good. Um, and it also has some sweetness towards the end too. So... Uh, but you probably want it. So this is a Robusto. Mm-hmm. Pricing on this, seven to nine dollars. 
Look at that. $79, people. Oh, yeah, people. Get you, get you some of this goodness that I'm just mm -hmm. giving out. I'm just mm -hmm. giving these for free here. I'm just yep. Joe Flacco in the backfield, just throwing dingers <laughs> all day, baby. There it is. So, <laughs> anyway, Hoya Silver Robusto. Um, very good cigar. I've smoked it a couple times. It was, it was probably when this actually... They probably reviewed it for 2021, if I'm not mistaken. It's the yeah. last time I smoked it. But very good cigar. Go get you some. Save some money. Delicious. Right on. Have at All it. All right. Well, well done, Jack. Fantastic. Always pulling up the stops, as always. Fantastic first cigar review of the year. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, you know what to do. Go and smoke to the glory of God. All right, Jack. So, my friend, today is a fun is a fun app, dude. We got uh, we got a, some mailbag. Uh, our listeners have our dedicated listeners have sent in some great questions. Um, we're going to try to get to uh, most of them, if not all of them, today. Um, I will say that how these kind of apps go and how mailbag usually works is because we have to get through you know as many questions as we can. The answers aren't going to be probably as drawn out or as detailed as they probably should be because yeah. there's some in, there's some really important like really important questions in here. So we're going to do yeah. our best to cover what we can, um, and then uh, you know, but but don't don't just think that um, that's all we have to say or think on the matter or that that's all that should be said on the matter because for a lot of these like uh, we've done like podcast topics you know whole podcasts on some of these questions so. Um, just keep that in mind. But like I said, we're going to try to get through as many as we can. And we got a banger for the first one. Yeah. This okay. Is, <laughs> this comes from, this, this comes from, yeah, it is. This comes from listener Ashley. And she asks, or she says this, she says, my church, uh, and I'm, 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 I'm paraphrasing the questions here, but my church uses a resource uh, that uh, I'm not fond of, that I don't like. What should I do? Right, so your church is using utilizing a resource. Um, I'm assuming in this instance, it's probably for teaching, either preaching or maybe Sunday school. You, you often see them in Sunday school. Yes, um, that's true. You know, maybe it's you know, you know, a curriculum or a book by an author or something like that that you don't agree with. How should you respond to that? So I think there's some good ways to respond to that. I think there's bad ways to respond to that. Um, so I'm going to throw it over to you first, Jack. Uh, Ashley's asking us this question. How, how should we respond? Uh, I would go to your pastors and ask particularly, why are we using, I would just ask those questions first. Maybe mm -hmm. I would just wade into those waters a little bit. Yeah. Um, there's obviously some sort of disagreement there with how the resource is used or who's behind the resource. Um, I know recently we had, we went from using one resource that was okay for kind of children's ministry and what we were doing. But when um, we hired on our part-time children's director, she started actually doing most of the lessons. So she was crafting them. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's, there's just a difference. I mean, if your church has the capacity to maybe pivot in a way to where you can kind of utilize your local church members and just come up with the curriculum yourself, by all means do that. Mm, yeah. Sure. Um, that's more of the creative aspect of it, but I would legitimately just ask 
your local pastors, bring up your concerns, ask them why we're using it, uh, state why you're concerned, and then maybe even bring up some alternatives uh, to that resource that could possibly be better. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'll just pretty much expound on what you said, man. Like, I think, I think I usually ask myself first, like, is this something even worth? bringing yeah. it up right um because obviously right you're going to have disagreements in your local church nobody's ever going to find a local church that's perfectly tailored to every conviction and every opinion that they have right theologically or culturally or you know, whatever it is so ask yourself the question first is there is is this disagreement or is this preference of yours right um is it enough to be worthy to bring up in conversation with the leadership, right? Because there's preferences and then there's convictions. Yeah. Okay. Um, and often people mix up the two and they will raise their preferences to the level of conviction and believe that because, uh, you know, you're not, you're not fitting in my preference here, then it's then it, 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 it should be raised to that level. Right. Um, and that's just not true. And that's just not biblical and it's not healthy to, you know, you know, live in, in that, that state of mind in your local church, right? So you got to ask the question first, is it preference or is it convictional? If it's preference, um, I'm not saying don't have the conversation, but I think the tone of the conversation should be much, much more exploratory than, uh, I would say confrontational, right? It's just, you know, ask the questions for clarification. Like Jack said, talk to your pastors and learn from them and, and see what their understanding is. Because maybe in, in a lot of cases, maybe it's just ignorance. Maybe, you know, you know, they're, they're using a resource that, you know, is maybe commonly used in Christendom that uh, actually isn't that good. Maybe it comes from a place that's not that good. Right. Looking at you, Bethel music. Right. And, <laughs> and, uh, got him. uh, got him. And, and a lot of people are just kind of ignorant of it. Right. It's because, yeah. yeah, I mean, all the churches are singing these songs. Right. Uh, but they don't really know, uh, kind of what they're supporting in, in doing that. So sometimes it might just be ignorant. So, so whatever the case, whether it be preference or convictional, Make sure that your interactions with your pastors are with humility, with grace, with a desire to understand, not a desire to accuse, right? Because those conversations never go well when you come out of the gate just shooting from the hip because yeah. your heart, you're, you're never going to hit anything, yeah. right? Uh, you're just going to uh, be creating a wall there um, that would be re- – that, that will really – inhibit your ability to have a good conversation about it right so that that would be my my uh that would be our uh suggestion there on how to handle that so just tread lightly and tread carefully graciously and humbly whatever you do uh, and ask those questions and seek to gain understanding versus uh, just come out of the gate um, accusing right that's always that's always a good practice yeah so okay all right uh, Michael says, uh, let's see, going on the next one. Yeah, Michael says, hey, I just moved to a new area and I am wanting to find a good local church to be able to, uh, uh, um, sorry, I'm, my sick brain, my sick brain, <laughs> good gracious, to join the membership and commit to. My question is pretty simple. How do I find a good local church? Well, simple, yes. Uh <laughs> 
No, it's not. It's not. It's not simple. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many. There's so many things that could be said here. Um, my initial, my initial uh, advice would be: don't automatically go for the church that's closest. Go for the church that's the most biblical. Yeah. Right. Now, uh, proximity does matter. I'm not saying it doesn't. Right. Uh, if there's two solid biblical local churches, I would suggest choosing the one that's closer because being in proximity to your church is it 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 is a factor. It is important. You want to be able to be plugged in. You want to be able to be part of the membership and be an at, and take active role in that. You want to be able to be able to go to the small groups or the Bible studies or, you know, you know, whatever, whatever it is, if there's opportunities to serve, you know, being, you know, and I, I say this as someone who understands being 50 minutes from the church that really inhibits your ability uh, in a really, really bad way. Right. Yeah. So, um, but I will say that too many people simply just choose the church because it's the one down the road without actually looking into what the church believes, mm-hmm. how it's structured, what they hold as most important, how do they preach, what's their theology, right? There's so many factors there that need to be looked into, uh, and proximity is just one of them. So I would say overarchingly, the, the, what my, my first piece of advice would be choose, choose the one that's the most biblical, not the closest to your home, because that's, I think, something a lot of people um, just kind of, do automatically well it's the one that's closest so that's what i'm going to go to which which i understand um but it's i think of kind of a faulty thing to begin with kind of you know a, 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 a faulty barometer right off the bat uh over to you yeah i would say it really depends upon where you're at in life and where you're if you've been rooted in this town or city for a while so the move in which my wife and I made when we left our previous church to now my local church that we're members of, that was primarily because we knew people in that church, our new local church that we're members of. And they were like, Hey, we know that you're going through this. We would love to have you for, for service. Um, so there's, there's ways in which, it's just providential. Like we didn't really church shop. (laughs) We just had an invitation to a local church and we went there and we became members there. It was pretty darn easy. Now that said, a lot of the time you seeking out a local church is not as easy as, as that. Uh, It takes you looking on their website, you asking, going to a service on a Sunday, seeing what that's about. uh, Who are they connected to as far as denominationally? Uh, does that fit your convictions as well, too? Um, how do they preach? How do they set up things in the local church? Just everything. Um, so, yeah, it there's there's a lot of things that play into that. Like, you really have to do your research on this. Um, yeah. it, it's not just like, you know, I'm hungry. Let's go to a restaurant. It's like, no, this is the rest of your life right. <laughs> as a believer. Right. And yeah. you're you're basically giving yourself to a people that will steward you for the rest of that life, hopefully, uh, depending upon what the Lord would have for you in your life. And so, yeah, I would just say, take all of that in, uh, for my wife and I, there was a, we could have probably went to a local church that meets at a high school, just right down our road. That was convenient, but 
I didn't, I kind of did some research and there was some baggage from some other people that I knew that it, it didn't really sound, you know, the, the preaching was more topical. It wasn't so expository, mm-hmm. um, just stuff like that. And so, yeah, there, there's, there's many things that you can do, but I would say, do your research on that yep. church, um, yep. figure out if people that you know are going there, what do people say about that local church? Sure. Um, there's just yeah. a whole bunch of stuff in the algorithm that goes into that, but yeah, it, it's, yes. it's not easy, but no, no, it's not. Try it's your not. darndest. <laughs> try your darndest. Yeah. 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 Last thing I would add would be like, you know, it kind of goes along with Jack, what Jack's saying with doing your research, right? Choose, choose the church that keeps the word of God central. Yeah. Right. You're going to have a lot of churches that make their brand central or their music central or their outreach yeah. central or their program central. Right. Not that any of those things are inherently bad, um, but you need to find the church that keeps the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ central, right? And what that means is that that's the thing that permeates all of the other things is the word of God, right? And that they hold the word of God as ultimate and supreme and their authority, right? And it affects how they preach, how they pray, how they sing, how they act, what their community is like, right? So find a church that holds the word of God as as and the supremacy of the word um, in all those things, right? Uh, Because you're going to, in churches that do that automatically, uh, they're going to be probably much more doctrinally sound um, and it's going to affect all of, all of, all of the other details. So that's what we would suggest again, massive topic, one that uh, could have a lot more conversation, but it's a mailbag up. So (laughs) we have to, uh, we have to move on. Okay, Jack. Uh, this one, this this is another this is another whopper yeah. one here. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from Alex, um, and I, I've distilled it down to to, to simply uh, the question is how how do I heal from church hurt? So that's a big question. Yeah. And uh, we actually did <laughs> a multi part uh, episodes on church hurt. Uh, way back, and I want to say it was like 2020, 2021. Yeah, 2021, maybe. Something like that, where we looked at church hurt from the view of the abused, the abuser, and the onlooker, right? So I would suggest go back in our archives and check those out, uh, because we really went into greater detail uh, on those here. Um, I would say first and foremost, the Lord is going to use, and we've said this before, but the Lord is going to use the same people who brought the hurt to bring the healing. And that means the local church. It's not the act. It's not the same people. Right. Um, but I'm talking about the church, right? You were obviously hurt from the church, from within the church, whether it be members or leadership or whatever it was. Um, and, I think the natural inclination when that kind of stuff happens is to not reach out to the dog that bit you, right? Because that's natural, right? If you go to feed a dog something and he bites you, you're not going to automatically go try again. It goes against every natural instinct that we have, right? And I think that natural, you know, desire for preservation kicks in with church hurt also. Uh, it's because it's these people who uh, are the ones that hurt me the ones that did these things to me, why would I go back? Right. Um, And that's where I think the illustration kind of falls apart is because one, biblically we're commanded to, right. We are not, we're called to not forsake the gathering of believers, but 
what's hard to understand, especially in the midst of church hurt, and it's something that took me a long time to understand, was that the Lord does his best work in sanctifying you through the work of his people, right? That's where that's where so much of the work happens as you are being sharpened by your brothers and sisters, you're in community with each other. Um, that sanctifying process uh, happens so much, I would say, I would say uh, in, in, in much greater amounts than if it's just you and your Bible, right? Um, so yeah, my first, my first uh, piece of advice would be to push through that pain and that desire to not feed the dog again, because I know that's real. And I've experienced so much of that. Jack has as well. Yeah. Um, But I can guarantee you that that healing that you are looking for is not going to be found by isolating yourself. It's not going to be found by stepping outside of the doors of the local church. It's going to be by pressing into the pain, pressing into the people and trusting the Lord in the process uh, because he will be faithful in that. Um, but often that healing requires us to step out in faith and to reach out to the same demographic of people that burned us the first time. And that takes time. That takes courage. Um, that takes humility. Uh, and that takes trust. And um, not all of that is going to be there right away. And we need yeah. to trust the Lord in the process of 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 those things growing in our lives. But that'd be my initial my initial thoughts. Jack, what do you what do you yeah. say to this this real this very real and very, very big topic? Yeah. Um I think there is a difference. I just want to distinguish this too. I think there is a difference in what people classify as church hurt and what people classify as church discipline or excommunication. Mm, yeah. um, church I would say church hurt involves leaders of the church mistreating and misappropriating power <clears throat> onto the members of the church to where they're not really shepherding them. Mm. That's a bit, that's a very big difference versus uh, you feel like you've been hurt by the church because you actually have been disciplined by the church. <laughs> right. right. Um, you actually need church discipline, you know, uh, you right. needed to be in some capital R reform churches excommunicated for a certain uh, reason, you know? Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> a, a pastor, a pastor calling you out on your sin does not equal church hurt. Or that church is, abuse. yeah, that is not church. <laughs> be very, or church abuse. Be very clear. Uh, yeah. there's a big difference between a, a way in which your pastor is trying to restore you yeah. from you going away from the Lord's desire and will in your life mm-hmm. to, uh, actual spiritual abuse. An actual misappropriation of power by the shepherds that, you know, are over a local church. And so there's a huge difference in that. And so part of it is distinguishing that. Um, if if you think that you've been hurt by the church, but it was actually a discipline issue, I would say reconsider that. I'm not saying that that's, that this is the case. I would say that this is more of the either no shepherding was involved or shepherds just shepherded terribly. And that's spiritual abuse. We would call that, yeah. we would call that church hurt. We're being hurt by the church. So um, a lot of it has to do with trusting people outside of that church that you were hurt by. Um, a lot of it has to do with friends that are not 
involved with that church. So a lot of the times I would run things by Josh when I was talking about stuff and yeah. he would be like, that's pretty whack, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. would, he would shoot straight with me. So if there's, <laughs> if there's somebody in your life that can do that, those were some crazy days at dude, the cigar lounge, dude. They're like a lot, a lot of cigars were smoked <laughs> yep. and a lot of truth was said yep. on both ends yep. from both of us. We're just sitting here <laughs> puffing and we're like, Oh my goodness. Yep. <laughs> yep. Let me be real with you. <laughs> Shoot. So, uh, yeah, I would say find somebody that you can kind of bounce your your thoughts off of who's solid in uh, faith and practice. But then also too, just start just start seeking out certain pastors maybe that you may have heard of or may be a part of other local churches that you're trying to get some sounding boards to. So sure. Yeah. I would say that that's kind of wading through the waters of going kind of starting that process. Right. The way that you continue that is I would say listen to those episodes that we did that that gives a little bit more flesh on that. So, yeah. But yeah. Yep. hundred percent. All right. Moving on. Uh, this one comes from Sarah. She says, I'm 45 minutes away from church. How do I stay connected? That's a fantastic question. I'll start this <laughs> <Yeah>. one. It's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Yeah. You spend a lot of gas money. That's my answer. <laughs> so much gas money gets spent uh, on trying to stay connected. Um, no, in, in all honesty, Sarah, that's, that's, a very difficult, that's a very difficult situation. Uh, one that I have been in for the past year of uh, us committing to this church, me um, committing to the uh, leadership in this church, but, but just by circumstances, like with, you know, finances and the way that the housing market is and just all this stuff, we were, we were, you know, 45, 50, yeah, 50 minutes away. And that was hard. That was really hard. Um, how we got around that. I mean, it, it was never, we never were committed to the level that we wanted to be while we were away. I just don't think you can be. Yeah. Um, we weren't committed to the ways that, that, that we preferred, you know, driving, we would have a great, you know, time of fellowship with our friends up here. And then I, I mean, we would, we would, we would dread the drive back home. Cause it's like, Oh, we're going back to, you know, where, you know, we, where we are, uh, you know, not around our people. Right. Uh, and that's hard. That's a, that's a hard thing. So, um, Honestly, like how we got around, I would say two things. First, how how we got around it was consolidating as many trips as we can, so that when we're up here, like on the Lord's Day, you're up here for church anyway. Spend the spend the whole day with your people if you can. Yeah. Plan to get lunch with people. Plan to get dinner with people. Right. Be in in each other's homes, um, and the times that you're up here, right. Make the best out of it and and get get your money's worth if 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 I can use that term right while while you're up here um prioritizing you know I'll just kind of on a practical end prioritizing gas money maybe over some other things right as like you know we could spend the you know whatever x amount of money on this or we can put it toward another tank of gas so we can be with our people right um on a practical end, that's a decision that my wife and I made, uh, and we were we were happy to do it just because we got to be around folks. Uh, last but not least, I will say, and then I'll throw it over to you, Jack. Um, plan to move. Yeah, plan to move. <laughs> uh, honestly, and I know that for some people that's that's like crazy, but I've always maintained a good local church is worth moving for. 
whether that be yeah. 50 minutes or 50 hours, whatever it is, if, if that local church, if you, if that is the place you believe God is calling you to, and you're getting your encouragement, your community and your accountability from that place, it is worth being as close to that as you can. I would go so far as to say uh, that a local church is worth quitting a job over. It's worth moving over. It's worth, there's so many things that I place the local church over. Um, Mainly now, because Josh has done all those things. I've done honest. all these things. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, no, I have, I have. And some of that was decisions that were kind of, you know, forced upon me, if you will, by, yeah. God's providence. And some yeah. of those we, we, we made intentionally. Right. Um, but the local church is my family. They are the closest family that I have aside from my own wife. Yeah. And there's been a lot that we've sacrificed to be close to our family. And we would not change one iota of those decisions because we are so much better for it. Uh, making our lives, you know, kind of surrounding, surrounding that. So now again, I'm not talking, making decisions to the the detriment of your family, right? If you don't have a job lined up at that church and you have, you know, kids just to, to, to feed, I'm not saying just step out in faith and do it, right? I'm, I'm not saying be <laughs> stupid, right? Or be, yeah. uh, I think, I think, I think, or, or, or being irresponsible, right? Stepping out in faith is not irresponsible. Those two things are very different. And I think sometimes people conflate the two. But what I am saying is make the moves, do the planning, save the money, you know, talk to the people in your, in in that local church, see if there's a way and, and, and don't give up on moving closer to that church, make that the goal. And I would say, don't, don't be content with simply being so far away that you're not able to be, to be plugged in. A good local church is worth moving for. Um, Throw it over to you, buddy. What do you think? Yeah, this is tough because I totally get where she's coming from. I grew oh, up yeah. in I grew up in Ellensburg, um, and when I became a believer, the churches in my area were fine. And then when I got out of the army and moved back, you know, it was a little bit difficult. I would say that I could have probably drove forty five minutes too to go down to Yakima to be a part of a church there. Mm-hmm. But what would it serve me? I don't have a job lined up there. Well, technically I did at the time, but community support system, a whole bunch of stuff comes into play. Um, Yeah, I would, I would kind of lean more on Josh and Josh's understanding because I think he's experienced that more and it's a little bit closer to home for him right now for driving up there and being a part of that, that church that he's a part of now and then moving. And so, um, it's, it's worth an exploration if there's other local churches in the area. Yeah. Just do another yeah. once over and kind That's of true. That's true. see what's going on. If anything's local to you, if it's not, if it's completely out of the question and that 45 minutes is like, yeah, this is the church that I want to be a part of because yeah, the, the, the market for other local churches is just not there. Yeah. So I would yeah. say, take that assessment again. And then, yeah, you kind of have to count the cost, like Josh is saying. I mean, you're going to have to prioritize some things over others. Um, But, yeah, I would just say, um, you know, try and do a a once over assessment again of local churches. And if it if it doesn't if it comes up empty again, just kind of stick to it and kind of go with that plan that Josh is talking about. So, yeah, 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 yeah co-sign on that uh okay we got uh we got two more we got two more we can do it uh this one comes from chris 
Uh, he asks, simply asks the question. He re- uh, this one was on Twitter. Um, he asked this. He says, "Can you serve too much in the local church?" This is a really great question. Yeah. Um, because we talk so much about making the local church central in your life, right? But what does that actually mean? Are there situations where you will find yourself actually committing to the local church too much, Jack? Uh, I'm going to throw this to you first because uh, I've got yeah. thoughts, but but I but I've gone I've gone first the last couple of ones. I want to throw it over to you. Yeah, I would say there is a limit to how much you serve. Um, yeah. I would say there's so much statistics now from different organizations involved with churches and denominations that show that pastors are completely burnt out. Mm-hmm. Um, they're leaving the pastorate. Um, they're just uh, across the board, like everything is down for the pastoral office across sure. the board in North America. And part of that is because I think that I think you need to know your limit on, on how much to serve you do. Um, there can be churches that can seem mega churchy that will prioritize serving because that's the, that's the kind of apex in order to get to know people. Right. And so when you're serving, Oh, I get to know people, you know, there's this connection happening. But you can get into this rhythm and where you're treating people and treating those relationships very um, consumeristically. Mm. So you got to balance this out um, because if you serve a lot uh, and you have a wife and kids, yep. um, I don't think that's balancing things out too well. Like I think, and, and it depends on what you're doing um, is your service. Um, if, if you're serving in a capacity, is it taking up the time of the other people in your life? Like for yeah. me, when I serve my local church, sometimes that that serving is me going up and reading the texts that is being preached on in that day and serving communion. Those are very capable ways of serving that doesn't burden anybody in my family. Right. Um, if it's taking away from that, So let's say like my wife, uh, who's been singing on our worship team, she serves both services. Okay. We're going to be at church for two services, but that's not a huge burden to be quite honest. Right. So there's, there's ways that you need to compensate how you serve in the local church. And there's ways in which maybe you just need to say to somebody in the local church, am I serving too much? How much is too much? Sometimes honestly, if you have two Sundays a month where you're dedicated, um, I like to put it within that gap. But if there's ways that are easy, like literally like I'm already here at church, I'm already in the service. If I do something else, it's not going to burden people. Like yeah. go ahead and do that. But yeah, don't go too overboard. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I would, I would, I would definitely agree with that. I think, this this is kind of akin to me of the question, you know, can you read your Bible too much, right? Or or can you pray too much? Well, I mean, yeah. yeah, you can because if you're if you are constantly if your amount of reading the Bible results in you not being effective with what the Bible tells you to do, you are reading it too much, <laughs> right? Um, uh, you know, our our reading of Scripture should result in an acting out of Scripture, right? And it's the same with your service in the church. I believe that it should be your primary, uh, you know, aside from your immediate family, your primary constituency. Like that is the thing that you are investing in the most. But 
if you are doing so to the point to where it is running you ragged and you're not being able to uh, serve uh, your your family the way that you should be, um, you know, you're not able to uh, be as effective in the local church as you want to be because you've got too many irons in the fire or you're wearing too many hats. Uh, then I would say you are serving too much. And it would actually be more of a service to your local church for you to back off a little bit than to take more on. And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. I know I struggle with that a whole lot uh, because I like it's the difference between like my brain and my stomach. Like my like my brain tells me I have all the capacity, you know, like I can just go forever. And my stomach's like, no, what are you doing? You're trying to kill us. Right. It can, <laughs> that, that's how it is serving in church sometimes is, you know, your 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 desire is much bigger than your capacity to actually serve. Right. So it takes wisdom and takes discernment to understand what your limits are to uh, to see the signs of whether you're being burnt out or not. Um and if you are, take a break. There's nothing wrong with that. All right? Like I said, sometimes the best service that you can do for your local church is to take a break uh, because that's going to enable you to come back stronger, right? And, and, and with, with, with more desire and with more fervency afterward than, you know, getting burnt out and having to take even longer of time to recover and recuperate. So, so yeah, the short answer is yes, you can serve too much, and it takes wisdom and discernment to know if you are in that boat. Um, so don't take on more than you are able to do effectively is is what I would suggest. Yeah, and I would just say a follow-up too as a, just a final thought to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would I would definitely run by what what you should not – like if you have somebody – if you have a, a, a deacon – who is overseeing you serving, um, just ask them, like, I do not want to be burnt out. And that's, I think that's the biggest question that, uh, I think our pastors are, my local church pastors are way more aware of that than a lot of people are, especially in the way that we're going in 2023. By the end of January, we're going to be going to one service in a middle school, like basically tear down, set up kind of style, uh, services again, or one service, I should say. And so yeah. there is a lot of burnout that could happen because I've sure. been a part of that. And uh, they dedicated a lot of time and budget dollars in order so that wouldn't happen. Right. So right. lean on your leaders, like your deacons and your elders to say, is this a is this a way in which we can kind of adjust some funds in order that people don't get burnt out from serving yeah. or is it just it's the way it's got to be so yeah yeah no, questions no I think to I ask did. I think that's a great I think that's a great point all right Jack last one we're gonna end with a fun one here all right this comes from Tim <laughs> Tim says this he says how did you first how did you both first get exposed to the world of cigars? For me, uh, one of my pastors took me to a cigar lounge to have a discussion, probably one of the best discussions I ever had. The cigar and lounge ambiance only added to it. Now it's one of my favorite ways to have conversations. Uh, Jack, I'm going to throw that over to you first, man. How did you, how did you first kind of get introduced to in the world of tobacco excellence? Uh, I started to stumble on cigars in college, so... From about 2006 to 2010, I would go down to my local um, <laughs> beer and liquor store and everything store in Ellensburg, Washington, and oh, yeah. uh, 
get some Padrone 1000 series going. Um, go. I would there pretty much go. smoke exclusively that. Um, it wasn't until about, I would say, 2016 to where I started to dabble more into the boutique uh, cigar world and actually get my palate going um, to where I started to like sit down. And when I moved back to Tacoma and like actually sit in cigar lounges and like take in those flavors and get that going and, and do everything. So um, I would say serious cigar smoking has been around since about 2017, 16. So um, that's how I first got exposed to it. And really it's just, I mean, I started to dabble and then I just started to look at half wheel and I started to look at other cigar brands and some people who were already working as tobacconists and asking them questions. So a lot of stuff. So that's how I got into cigars. Yeah, for me, um, so for me, the fascination with tobacco started at a really young age. I was probably 11 or 12 <laughs> the first time I saw Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And I saw Gandalf and Bilbo in front of Aragorn, right? Just looking like absolute legends smoking their <laughs> church warden pipes, dude. Just so cool. And I remember being like 12 years old asking my mom, hey, do you think I could get a pipe? Like, do you think dad will let me smoke a pipe? That was shut down faster than anything yeah. I've ever had shut down, right? But oh it never went away. And I was always extremely fascinated by it, right? So after I got married and got out you know, um, on our own and kind of, a, you know, going to a church to where, you know, those, those types of things, alcohol and pipes and cigars and stuff like that, they weren't, they weren't sinful, right? They were just, uh, they were things that you did, uh, under the, the, the guidance of conscience. Right. Um, and I remember kind of coming to the realization after being shepherded by one of my pastors that I, I have the freedom to do this. If, if my conscience allows it, right? Obviously in moderation. So I remember buying my first pipe and I don't even remember what kind of tobacco I put in, but I remember uh, being out on my porch uh, smoking this pipe for the very first time. And I didn't really know how to do it. I'd watched a whole bunch of YouTube videos on like how to pack a pipe, how to light a pipe, what kind of pipes should you do? What kind of tobaccos are there? Right. Um, and I remember being on the, on, on my porch and I had no clue what I was doing, but I lit it up and it was the cool, it was like childhood being like childhood <laughs> dreams being fulfilled. It was so much fun. And I just had, I was, I just had like this moment where I felt like a little kid where I was like, Oh, I've been wanting to do this for so long and it's really cool. I really like it. So it was in pipes for a long time. And then I started getting into cigars. Uh, you know, started with kind of the really sweet, like acid Cuba Cuba cigars, right? Uh, and then, you know, as your as your palate grows and changes, you start getting into other stuff. And kind of like Jack, like I, I kind of jumped headlong into it, reading articles and watching videos and just because it was such it was such a new thing and there's so much to learn all the different blends and all of the different leaves and the type of you know the the type of aging processes and what what blends go with what and nicaraguan and you know ecuadorian and sumatra maduro like and the different sizes robusto toro church like all like all the different stuff and i just loved it uh and then i i started hanging out with other like-minded brothers uh you know theologically and uh, i would say you know, you know uh, convictionally 
And I found the exact same thing that 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 Tim is saying is that there's something about smoking a cigar or smoking a pipe while having a a good conversation that just adds to it. I have found that it helps keep emotions down. It helps keep things calm um, when you have kind of something to do with your hands, something to something to keep in your mouth, maybe to keep you quiet when uh, when you should be right. Um, uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis or Tolkien. I'll paraphrase, but they said, you know, a pipe, uh, you know, a pipe in the mouth gives the wise man, or, or what he said, it says, a good pipe gives a wise man time to think and a fool something to put in his mouth. <laughs> like, and I, I really, I really like that because it's true. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just started hanging out with other like-minded uh, Christians who enjoyed the same things, and I just, I just fell in love with it, man. It was just something that I really enjoyed, uh, still enjoy, and enjoy. Being a nerd about it, you know, getting into the boutique blends like Jack, you know, Jack introducing me to a lot of those. Like Jack, Jack's been a major influence on that because uh, I was strictly just kind of smoking like um, Oliva and I would say Oliva and then like AJ Fernandez and things like that. And then Jack started once we started hanging out, introducing me to all the boutique blends. And that opened the world even more. And just, it's just been a lot of fun. And I've just found that it has provided so much opportunity for some really sweet discipleship and really sweet fellowship um uh just yeah that would would have been there uh you know otherwise so short but sweet but uh yeah that's that's why that's why we like it it's just it, it's fun we enjoy it and uh and it's it, it's a joy it's a good gift from from god so all right jack well that was a successful mailbag that was a lot of fun yeah. those were some excellent questions uh, I hope that we uh, satisfied uh, you guys with the answers um, to the best of our ability. Now, who knows? We might take some of those and do do some full ups with them as well. But Jack, my friend, why don't you why don't you get us out of here, dude? Ladies and gentlemen, if you appreciate Josh and I's time to answer your questions, you can ask more questions of us on the sociables, if you will. Yes, the metaverse, the Facebook, the instagram goes well with marshmallows and chocolates or the sociable formerly known as twitter x you can find us at the tag at reformatory pod drop us a question episode idea likes everything along those lines and josh you can tell the lovely people how they might support us in other endeavors that's right well you can support the reformatory in many ways you can head on over to uh, Patreon. We do have a Patreon, and you can do that uh, and uh, get all of the uh, all of the extra bonus stuff, uh, bonus eps, and all that good stuff. And if you do so, our pledge to you is that your name shall be hallowed. Hallowed, sir. Hallowed. Hallowed through the halls of this podcast. We have a YouTube. You can head on over there, like, comment, subscribe, ring the little bell for all the notifications. We'd appreciate that as well. Uh, and if you've been listening to this podcast for a while and haven't given us a, a review or a rating, we'd appreciate that as well on Apple or Spotify. That'd be really, really cool. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will catch you on the next step of the Reformatory. <laughs>